and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how are you today? Hot, Justin, hot. That's how I am. How are you? I'm hot too, and in a uncharacteristic turn of events, I think Canada is actually hotter than Cyprus today. And I'm sitting here dripping in sweat because I turned off my air conditioner because I didn't want to have to complain to the fussy editor about the noise. There's a lot to answer for that fussy editor, but Canada hot. Good Lord. There must be people peeling off their clothes, beer drinking on the streets, all sorts of things going on. Yeah. Chicken little, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. I haven't seen so much conversation about one topic since we started lockdown last year. (laughs) Well, I suppose that there you are. Be grateful for small mercies. Yes, uh, small mercies. I got my second shot this week too. Fantastic! So you're a double vaxxer as well. Yeah. Me too. I, I was. I was. When was I done? I think it must be about ten days ago for me. So I'm. I'm nearly vaccinated, as wow. Gruber would have it. Yeah, I went out to Starbucks for a coffee. I met my sister yesterday. The first time I've been to a Starbucks and sat down since probably February last year. So the world is opening up a little bit, and. Uh, It was really, really nice. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? Long may it continue, and let's hope things continue to improve. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit of follow-up this morning. Uh, We were talking a couple weeks ago about indexing, and I'm reading a book at the moment, uh, Henry Thoreau, A Life of the Mind. It's a biography about Thoreau, surprisingly enough. And one of the comments that really stuck out to me was a quote describing Thoreau's writing. He kept indexes for his notebooks so he could find things in what became an increasingly complicated multi-volume writer's storehouse of material. And in context, he would develop his articles, his books, his speeches, his talks, based on the indexes from his notebooks that became quite extensive. So that's really interesting because we had discussed that as sort of a lead into our conversation on Obsidian. And I thought that even the best people do the indexes. And uh, both of us admitted that we hadn't been so good at doing that in our previous notebooks. So uh, something to think about. For sure. Um, Absolutely. I mean, Obsidian is something that I keep sort of opening up and looking at and oh, oh, and then sort of just retreating away because I'm, we'll talk about it in the episode, but uh, I'm finding myself sort of surrounded by notebooks. They're, they're launching some sort of containment campaign against me. Mm-hmm. They've rebelled against me, my own notebooks. <laughs> okay. This is going to be a good episode then because we all have thoughts on notebooks and applications and everything like that. But we'll start off. What is your tool of the week this week, Stu? This week. Ways, it's on my Google, I think, um, oh. satellite navigation system. I think it was um, a competitor to Google's Google Maps to a certain extent. And so they bought it as is their want. It's a really, really good application insofar as it, it works really well here, which I always find that surprising when mm-hmm. Cyprus is not exactly the center of the universe. And so when a satellite goes, oh, you're looking for that business in that town? Yep, here it is. Boom. And, and sort of guides me directly to it accurately. I'm always impressed. So that I find fantastic. Mm, Apple isn't quite doing it for you? Um, no, Apple here sort of uh, sees Cyprus as, as, um, as an island. I think it's understood that. 
it's aware that there are a few cities here, but now we're reaching the edge of its competence. So Cyprus is constantly changing. So there are lots of streets being built. There's always development going on here. Um, businesses come and go very quickly. So your data sources have to be really, really on the ball for Cyprus. It's not like you're, you know, mapping London or something, which has been sitting there for a few hundred years. So Apple Maps is a little bit unreliable here. The thing about Waze, that, I mean, Waze um, absolutely mangles your battery. So um, I have to have it plugged into my car, which is fine because when, when I'm allowed to have the big car, um, it's got a little USB port, boom, off it goes. And there's that whole Apple BMW thing that I think I've talked about in many podcasts where they kind of don't talk to each other, but kind of do. <laughs> They're just trying to get you to upgrade to the new BMW that has CarPlay. Probably. Probably. So while my phone is desperately trying to play a song that I'm not interested in on the, the car system, and I plug in the sat-nav thing, I end up with a situation where I have a podcast playing on the car, but the sat-nav will only speak through the phone. <laughs> I don't know how that's even possible. I, I don't know how many settings I've tried. I mean, I've tried violence. So, so what happened? What's good is that it mutes the podcast. So it will mute the pod. Well, it won't mute it. It pauses the podcast and says, in 800 meters, turn right. But actually what you hear is you hear John Gruber going, well, you know, I think Apple New York. In 800 meters, turn right. But iOS, I just don't understand. And it's the most surreal experience of this sort of loud podcast voice, suddenly interrupted by a very quiet sound. And my wife was in the car next to me for fully half an hour. And this happening all the time. And she went, what's going on? <laughs> That's the sat nav. She said, why don't you put it through the car? I said, well, you do it, genius. Uh, which, in fairness, did keep her quiet for half an hour. But it's bizarre. It really is the sort of never-ending story. But it is brilliant. I mean, it's found two restaurants in, uh, in a town here called Paphos, a city called Paphos, uh, which are, you know, sort of buried at the end of warm-way systems. And you could get really frustrated trying to, to sort of follow them, uh, to find them through, through directions from friends. But it's take me straight to them. And it's got this amazing function that, you know, would you like to park? Yes, please. Okay, this car park here is two minutes away and costs one euro or something. Fantastic. Let's do that. Mm. Um, so that's been my tool. What about your tool of the week? Well, I, I broke down, Stu. I, I picked up a few weeks ago the Ugmont analog system. Ah, good man. I've, I've been doubling down on using an index card. And we're going to talk a lot about uh, index cards today because they are wonderful, but they also create some other problems for me uh, that I want to talk about. The analog system, it's spendy. That was kind of why I was holding off on it. Having got it in hand, oh my gosh, is it beautiful? Absolutely beautiful. Things that the website won't tell you is just how thick, it's almost like a cardstock, their index pages are. Mm -hmm. The fact there's three of them, the, the system actually works really well and how lovely it is to use. Um, so I decided uh, the reason I dropped the extra money on Ugmont, uh, again, the system's not bad. The problem is shipping to Canada was a little pricey. However, I'm going to throw this out before I forget. 
Augment, um, even though their standard shipping is fairly pricey, upgraded the shipping to me at their cost. So I ordered this on a Friday and I got it on the Monday. Oh, wow. And I, th I thought that was very, very kind, generous, and extremely uh, amazing of them to do. So that was, that was very nice. And had I known that, I would not have regretted the extra uh, money that I spent on that. It was a purchase that I, I really enjoy. I had decided that I've got into this system when I moved to the new house. I'm going to change my setup right now. I'm writing on, well, what's uh, essentially a big, uh, my desk for want of a better word is a large solid wood dining room table that I have converted into sort of the focal point of my library. And my wife has told me that when we get a house with a proper dining room, that is going as a dining room table. So I'm going to need to get a new, a new desk and something like that. Oh, desk shopping, desk shopping, which I, I probably should ask. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm thinking fully, uh, the power of podcast advertising. Uh, I don't know if you have a good sit to stand desk, but I want to have a sit to stand desk and I want it to be super minimal. And I'm thinking that the Ugmont system is as super minimal as I can get, uh, which is much nicer than the system I was using of kind of a messy pile of Baron fig index cards. Look, I've got one in front of me and that there's not much that gets a space on my desk because I, I think you and I have a sort of similar aspirations of re-desks. And I mean, it is beautiful. We will at some point have to talk about the cut. Um, I know we've talked about it before, mm -hmm. um, but the sort of stand, the, the way, the way the Ugmunk has chosen to stand still sometimes annoys me, I have to say. So I'll be completely honest with you. Right now, I've just pulled out what I've got in the stand sort of slot. So, mm -hmm. um, for a listener, there's a little slot at the front of the, of the card container where you stand a card, the idea being that that card then faces you saying, these are the things you've said you're going to do. Now I've got in that slot, which is designed for one card. I'm just counting. Ah, 11, I think three. Five. Yeah. 11 cards. You have a very busy day. Well, I had mine portrait oriented rather than, no, sorry, landscape oriented rather than portrait, mm. which again, I think is breaking, breaking the intended use case. I think so. And then next to my, my I've got your pile of, of, of index cards. So, so I have a combination of Baron Fig and Ugmunk cards in a pile next to my Ugmunk, because I think like you, I'm sort of not quite using it as intended, but we'll get to that. We'll get, it is a lovely, lovely thing. It's beautifully designed. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to use. Especially if you use it the way that, uh, they want you to use it. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but who ever does that? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Nobody ever does that. I've only had it for a week, so I'm still using it the way that it's supposed to be. Nah, talk to me in another week. I'll break it you later. <laughs> now then. What about pen and ink of the week? Your, your new instigation, have you carried on? I have, uh, we're recording this a little bit late, so I'm going to tell you about the pen I've been using since last Sunday. I did the exactly what I had planned. I filled this up and did my weekly review with this pen. It's a Franklin Christoph 45 L in antique glass 
which was a lottery order. I'm not sure if you've got any Franklin Kristoff. They're more rare resin colors. Uh, they used to do a lottery system. So you basically entered into a draw for an opportunity to buy one. Oh, okay. And I was lucky enough to get one. Uh, the 45 is their little sort of pocket pen. The 45L is a little bit longer version, which is long enough to hold a cartridge converter, which is really nice. I chose a fine cursive italic by tuned by Mike Masayama, and I filled that with a Graf von Faber Castell deep sea green, which I, I'll, I'll confess this on a podcast. I sat down with my coloring, color samples for my inks, and picked the one that best matched the color, the green of the antique glass. Mm. It's a clear with uh, bubbles in it, just like antique glass. Like if you uh, go to and find some antique bottles around, uh, you know, the, that kind of look. It's a, an absolute gorgeous little pen. That nib is absolutely beautiful. You'd be impressed. The It's a fine cursive italic, so it just has a little bit of character to it uh, that a cursive italic does, uh, while still being close enough to a fine for me that I'm very happy with it. Excellent. That sounds a delightful little combo. I've, I, I think I've probably got a more robust combination going. So for me, recording Stationary Jason is my ink change day. That's what I've, I've said it at. So mm-hmm. just, just this morning, well, just this afternoon, pulled out a new one because I had been using, um, what, what had I been using? Cause I'm sure I've still got it. I'm sure it's, yes. Uh, so I've been in my Twisby 580, mm-hmm. which is, this is the problem I'm going to face, Justin, is that my, my pen roll is just going to get increasingly full. So there's still, still half, a, half a fill to go through the 580, which is. A year later, there'll still be a half full of the 580, though. The ink capacity of that is amazing. Yeah. Well, fortunately, I, I use big nibs and I write big. Mm. <laughs> so I'll be getting that ink moving pretty soon. Don't you worry. But. Perhaps as a reaction to it, maybe you're right. I've gone for a, I've gone for a little pocket pen. So this is the Kaweco Lilliput. I don't know if you've got one of these. I don't actually. Well, they are very cute. They're very, very small. So I'm sorry. My microphone discipline is awful because I'm playing with my tool. So um, if I keep fading in and out, I do apologize, dear listener. So this capped, well, sorry, closed. This is nine centimeters, give or take nine and a half centimeters which is, I suppose, well, it's just over three inches. It's, it's a simple cylinder. So uh, it would remind you of a space pen, a Fisher space pen. Mm. But when you unscrew the, the top, you can then screw it onto the end um, and you have what's essentially a full-size vacuum pen. So it will sit in the hand quite nicely on your curly cool. So it'll be Steinbeck in pencil terms. Mm. It'll be sitting there very comfortably. It's Coeco, so um, it'll be a either a Bock nib or it could be a Yovo um, because they use both. So Coeco use both companies to make nibs, and they don't label which is which. Ah, so some work and some don't. <laughs> That's a very personal experience, Mister Twyfen. Not everybody has the same as you. Sorry, that was inside voice coming out. <laughs> but um, yes, you're right. I've got a, a medium nib in here. This one is very reliable and uh, it's fire blue. So that's um, where they take a sort of a plain metal one and 
basically hold it over a Bunsen burn. If you, if you remember those from school, <laughs> so you get that, you get that sort of mottled bluish purplish, um, effect on the pen. It's lovely, really, really good looking pen. And in it, I have put a Coeco summer purple cartridge, which is a lovely sort of light purple. Oh, well, very nice. And this is a great pen. This is great pen. You can carry this, uh, even in your shorts because it is very small and it's, it is very reliable. Is it a screw cap or a friction fit? Screw cap. Oh, good choice. Good choice. Yeah. This is a great pen to, uh, to take hiking or, you know, just any sort of day when you're out doing lots of different things, because you, you can drop this. It won't do it any harm. Um, and you, you, you're not going to have the cap come off and have some sort of inky disaster in your trousers. Um, There you are. There's a quote for you. An inky disaster in your trousers. I think we might have a new show title. (laughs) So what are we talking about today? Yes, uh, let's get serious again. I'm still thinking of show titles. (laughs) I want to talk about my problems, Stu. I have a problem. I've moved to an index card, a daily system for my personal notes, which we just talked about. Mm -hmm. I really like it, but perhaps I'm using it a little differently than you are. For me, it's very, very ephemeral. I use that daily card. I finish what I need to do on it and I file it away. There's no 11 cards for me. It's just one per day and then it's done. And what I've found is I've kind of lost my feeling of a daily notebook where I'm recording what I do. I've got a space for reflection. I've got you know, something that is consistent from day to day. And I'm not really sure how to fix it because I find that with most of my important things on the card, a notebook seems to be redundant. And uh, that's kind of the debate I have. I'm still using my Filofax for work. I'm kind of debating, do I throw everything into one book? I don't I have some pros and cons about that, mm-hmm. uh, about combining personal and work in one place. I, I'm kind of confused. And based on, you know, having to describe what you do to somebody, the tracking apps that I used, I really thought about that after our conversation on apps. And I've ditched a couple of those. So I really don't have anywhere specific that I'm tracking some of my daily streaks, mm-hmm. the things that I want to track that would be in a notebook but the notebook isn't there and it's redundant and filing things on a card. Yes, I could do that on the back of the card. There's a big blank dot gridded space, but because it's so fleeting and so ephemeral, Mm. I feel like I'm going to lose it. And I know you are a mighty user of the index card. What do you do? Because this has really solved so many problems in terms of focusing my day to day, but it's created this nebulous loss that I feel uh, about my, about my, my setup at the moment, which is interesting. So come, come into my surgery, take, take, sit on the couch and tell me about your relationship with your mother. No, 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 don't look. Look, (laughs) I've been through a very similar process because I think the nub of this issue is ephemeral, that word ephemeral, Mm -hmm. because to a notebook user, that's anathema. <laughs> there, there, there are few people I know that thoughtlessly discard their notebooks. So if you just, you know, wander on to, to Instagram, you will find people, I do it sometimes, 
who will show a photo of 7,000 pocket notebooks going back five years because we keep them. Um, There are exceptions. I I completely understand, but most people keep their notebooks Mm -hmm. Um, and it's some sort of, um, as we discussed uh, last week, it's some sort of thought process about, well, this, this, this will be useful even though we haven't probably indexed them. The index card, its power is in its temporary nature. Very much so. The index card for the day is today. And in fact, the most satisfying thing is to discard that card. Again, there are people that keep them. And they just put them to a bottom of a pile and, you know, maybe put an elastic band around them or something. But for me, it's like, okay, tick, tick. Oh, I've completed everything. Tear the card up, throw it in the bin. Boom. That, that's the perfect end of day ritual mm. to say that was my focus done as part of my, either your shutdown now or your startup in the morning. I'm going to create a new one of these cards for a new day, a new set of tasks. And that's the power of it, I think, is it, it brings you down to that narrow focus, takes away all of the, the sort of overwhelm that might exist if you look at OmniFocus with 36 million tasks in it, or even a to-do list. You think, oh, there's so much of it. Because on this, these index cards, you just write what you're going to do today. That's it. If you're writing much more than that, then you're using a different system, I think. Mm-hmm. So what what I discovered was a very similar sort of journey was, oh, actually this index card isn't replacing anything for me. (laughs) It's adding something. (laughs) And so what I found is that I was going through, I I still have a daily driver notebook that I use, but I don't use it as a daily driver. It's just incorrectly named my notebook now. But uh, that's where I muse on things or I might just write something out or... I'll give you an example from Nero's notes. I will order some new products from a new supplier and they will send me an invoice and I will use that invoice and say, okay, how am I going to price these to sell them in Nero's notes? And I will work out what I've paid for them, which will almost certainly be in a different currency. Then the tax that I have to pay on, on importing them, then the shipping, then any duties or administration charges to, to get sort of a landed cost to apply a margin to, to then sell them on the site. Oh, Stu, you're talking sweet talk to an accountant. <laughs> well, I, I will work all of that out on a, in a notebook, you know, that that's where I'll do it because I just find that more satisfying than trying to put it into an Excel sheet. And that's never going to be something to do on an index card. Although I've just, <laughs> I've just ripped one up that did have those workings on the back of it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of feels like a waste of an index card to me. Because I could probably go through about 60 a day if I did that. <laughs> so I, I, I think the nub of the problem is, well, you probably do still need a notebook. And it's really a case of understanding what tasks or not necessarily tasks, what actions are going to go where. Mm-hmm. And for me, there is still a need for a notebook, even though I'm using the index card. To, to go back to your example for me and the pricing dilemma. My projects my, have their own notebooks. And I think that's the problem is that I have my Filofax that does my jobby job stuff. But I don't really have one place that is just for me. And maybe that's what I do. Maybe that is 
where I go with this and say, I'm just going to have one notebook to rule them all, you know, mm -hmm. where everything goes in there. That always makes me a little nervous in terms of discoverability of, you know, notes and whatever else, because, yeah, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to get into any big legal debates, but I don't really want to have my personal stuff, you know, potentially redactable, but, you know, going through that, mm. that hassle of uh, original notes and all that stuff that goes with working corporate jobby job. I'm kind of in that point where I have separate notebooks for things like that. I don't have a regular practice of personal writing and reflection. Uh, the reason for that is my calendar. For example, we're recording this on a Sunday. This gets released on a Tuesday night. I'm recording my other podcast about an hour after we finish this podcast that gets released to my Patreon subscribers tonight. So between now and Tuesday night, I will not have any time for any personal reflection. So basically three days out of the week, at least where I would normally like to do some personal writing, I don't get any done. Mm -hmm. And that means that a daily notebook, uh, you know, my preference for a notebook and the way I've done it in the past with sort of a lunch term bullet journal is I always start a new page on every day. Uh, and I like that because I can go back and I can see what I did exactly on that day and go there, which is really what the index card is doing for me now. But that has replaced that. There's, there's nothing permanent. There's nothing where I can track the other things that I want to track. I could go back and do it digitally. But I, again, I'm, I was thinking about it and going, you know, what happens when you go into your phone just before you go to bed to reflect on that? Well, you know what happens. All of a sudden you start down a little bunny, bunny trail somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, 10 minutes later, you're thinking about something else. And I don't want to get into that habit. And so I'm, I'm really trying to bring this back into the analog, but I'm not entirely sure how to do it. You, you need to let go, I think. I mean, you, you've set yourself some parameters there that sounded really, really firm, but are actually just choices. They are. Yes. I, I know what you mean, by the way, this is in no way a criticism because you think, okay, well, I want to keep, um, some sort of journal of my thoughts of, of, you know, how I'm thinking about things, but I don't have time to do it daily. Okay. Well, don't do it daily then. <laughs> just do it, you know, twice a week or once a week or when you have the time. I, I don't have a space to, to track it. We, okay, create a space. And maybe you could combine that with the place where you do your journaling on a once a week basis. And it, it's, it's coming up with a place that you feel comfortable with. And I understand where you're coming from because you think, oh, you know, I haven't written anything for three days as it were. Well, it is because again, the things that I write reflectively, I don't think I ever look back on or very rarely. As we've discussed before, it's the act of writing mm -hmm. um, and, and trying to work them out that does it. But I've been going through a similar spot where my sort of daily writing practice has, uh, sort of reflective writing anyway, has has been struggling the last week or so because my routines have been put out by various and sundry things. Um, and it's kind of thrown me. And I'm, who was I talking to? Rupert um, of Wilder Notes. So he, um, this is an English guy who makes notebooks, we sell them at Nero's Notes. Uh, he also sells them on his own website, which I think is wilder.com. Well, I hope I got that right. 
Uh, he's a lovely guy. Uh, there was a really good interview with him and his wife on uh, Dero's uh, last week. Yeah, indeed. And he's, um, something he said really struck me is that his wife notices when he hasn't been journaling. Mm. <laughs> She'll say, you haven't been journaling because he gets, um, I suppose the, the English technical term would be a little more growly. <laughs> I wasn't quite where I was expecting to, to go, but <laughs> hey, we'll go with it. It's podcast friendly. <laughs> there you go. So I find that really interesting. Because I, I suspect it's true of me as well. The, um, the, the notebook and the reflective writing is some sort of outlet for me. Mm. But it doesn't have to be daily. Clearly, if you've chosen a daily planner, then, then you are going to, for people like you and I, at least you are going to create problems if you don't write it daily because you're going to look at blank pages and go, oh, what am I going to do? And I'll put my hands up. I, I, I have gone back and written in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The funny part about a blank page for us, uh, and I'm sure that I can speak for us as a uh, as a group of privileged white guys. Uh, it's it's not that we don't have plenty of notebooks that we can skip a day with just the date on it. Sure. But the idea of leaving a page with just a date on it, uh, that just uh, oh, that just feels so wrong, doesn't it? It certainly does. Um, and that's why if, if you go for something like a Hobonichi Teco, which is, you know, very much a planner sort of setup, it's not very flexible. This is something that you are using to encourage yourself to write daily. But there's nothing to say that you can't journal. Um, TJ, who I co-host 1857 with, he uses, these are moleskins, unmarked, undated. And so he might one day write a page. He might not write anything there for three days because he just, you know, writes a date when he starts writing and writes until he, until he wants to stop and then stops. Mm -hmm. And it, that sort of free approach, I think would work. Mm. Um, and maybe, you know, at the back of the notebook, or if you want to be really swish and turn it over and, you know, drive backwards and all that stuff, you, you, you make yourself a little habit tracker. Boom. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's probably as simple as that. But having said that, I'm, I'm going through a similar sort of feeling at the moment where I'm, I'm not quite certain about how I, I want to marry my analog and my digital and obsidian is part of the, the, the complication for me there. Yeah, definitely. Have you done much with obsidian since we last spoke? No, I haven't done too much in it, but I've been, I've been sort of nibbling away at the edges of it. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't know if we covered this. Uh, do you use Readwise? No, I don't. Do you subscribe to Readwise? No. Okay. So Readwise um, is an app that will, if I highlight something in my Kindle book, um, I can press sort of sync on a Readwise app. And all of those highlights will go into Readwise, which will then present to me things that I've highlighted on whatever basis I want it to, to present it to me, but it will also store it all in the database. So it's a great note taking aid because I don't know about you, but I've got a tendency to take a note and then never ever regard that note again, which is something we touched on with Obsidian. So bringing these, uh, these highlights of, of a book that I'm reading into some sort of form that I could then combine them with Obsidian and a sort of a crafting a note around that thought or highlight. Um, is really, really uh, interesting to me, but it's digital and I'm kind of analog. And how do I make those two work? Oh, 
and the, the, the simple fact that I'm doing too many things. I have too many projects on. So mm-hmm. like you, I tend to have notebooks directed at projects. So I have a jobby job set of notebooks, which in my case are Baron Fig. I've still no idea why I chose Baron Fig, but they're, they're there. And I have my own sort of daily drive, which is where Nero's stuff tends to happen. And so they, they can be any sort of brand, but right now it's a loiter. I've got my podcasting book, which is at the moment, a field note signature, odd size notebooks end up as podcast notebooks. No idea why. <laughs> That's funny. I have an odd size uh, field notes for my podcasting notebook as well. Well, there you go. You see, see a, there must be some reason for it. We've, we've just connected in some sort of ephemeral plane. And then I've, uh, because I'm, well, he said, I'm writing fiction. Um, I have a lot of sort of project books that are, are novels or short stories or parts of novels or snippets. And my great friend, Amanda Fleet, who's um, a published author, very, very good, amandafleet.co.uk, mm-hmm. go and buy her books, you'll love them. She, um, she has a great system. She has a notebook called The Notebook, and she sort of just noodles away in there and then goes, hmm, I'm noodling about this thing a lot. And suddenly a new notebook is born. And because she is a writing machine, what that means is that a, a machine has been started, an engine has been started that uh, 12 months later will spit out a fully formed novel. Or three. Yeah, but yeah, she, well, she just sort of goes, oh, yeah, I'm writing about this a lot. Okay, so that's going to get its own notebook now. And that's it. Once it's got its own notebook, it's going to end up as a novel. Wow. And we have, we, <laughs> we have these, we, we write to each other. So we write letters. People might remember those letters, correspondence. And I can't remember if it's my turn or hers. It must be mine. And these, with Cyprus, we have a, a very sort of old-fashioned correspondence because letters can take months to get from the UK to Cyprus. There's no reason they should, but they can. And she talks to me about her books in a sort of number sequence. So she'll say, oh, yeah, book number seven. But everywhere else where this book might be being discussed, it will be talked about as it's either its working title or, or its full title, depending on what stage of development it's at. And so then I'm desperately trying to work back in my mind, okay, book seven, is that, is that this one? Or, oh, no, no, this is book four. Book seven's a way off it. <laughs> What's really impressive to me about that, I mean, apart from the sort of prodigious writing, is the, uh, the ability to say, okay, I'm using this, my main notebook, as a way to sort of, you know, muck about, to capture ideas, to work things through and then go, oh, hang on, this, this is moving. This is moving to something beyond and then firing it out into a project network. I think that's a great way of managing things. I mean, partially because it means that you, it takes away some of the, the precious nature of the, of the daily notebook mm-hmm. where we all go, well, you, you know, I don't, I don't want to make anything messy. And well, you know, you should make messy stuff in there because this is just thoughts and ideas. And then if you want to have a pristine sort of, you know, project notebook, great. You, you know what goes in there. The downside, of course, and I'm sure you'll, you, you experience this as well, is that I do find myself writing notes in the wrong notebook. Very much. Where I'm talking about, talking about the jobby job in, in the Nero's notebook and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Which, as you say, for discoverability, is <laughs> not great. Yeah, everybody needs to know how much tax Neuros pays uh, when they're dealing with a uh, money laundering issue. Yes, exactly. But to touch back on your sort of pros and cons. I, th- I think for me, and we have touched on this before, one of the pros of ha- of keeping the notebook separate is that you mode switch. 
Mm-hmm. So the language that I use when I'm writing a fantasy novel will be different from the language I'm using when I'm talking about anti-money laundering or speaking to a member of parliament about banking law. You know, the, the, those things have to be different. And just the act of changing notebook and in my case, changing writing instrument help. They, they maybe think, okay, well, hang on. I need to be, I need to be in a different mode now. Mm. Um, and so if I'm writing in the wrong notebook, I'm probably in the wrong mode, which like, you could see how this could go wrong. Anti-money laundering fantasy novel. Come on, somebody write that down. You probably come up with some great ideas, actually. Well, I could certainly come up with some weird ideas. <laughs> the, the fantasy of money laundering, you know? This is a complete tangent, which is, I suppose, in, in a way, my, my thing. But a, a friend of mine, and I can say that, actually, I mean, he's a nice fellow, was the chairman of a, a trade association around money transfer in the United Kingdom. Back when I was doing all that stuff, you know, working, um, we worked together. We, we sat on committees. We were on a, a sort of European parliamentary thing together. It was, you know, it was all very exciting. We were very powerful, powerful kings of the world. We were just, oh. and he's just been prosecuted for money laundering. Oh, <laughs> it's like, wow. Um, no, sorry. He hasn't just been prosecuted. He's been found guilty. Gosh, exactly. Uh, so let me guess. He found Bitcoin. sorry i just alienated half of the audience (laughs) but it's it's just you know it's like uh you know it was gamekeeper turned poacher i suppose he he was allowing money to pass through his business that that shouldn't have been which um i said that was a bit of a gut punch (laughs) it's like wow yeah no kidding it's important i think how you use notebooks it's affecting me at the moment and that to me indicates that it's an in, an indicator of other issues. As I said, there's a bit of overwhelm in my life at the moment where I'm thinking, I'm not quite sure I've got enough. I'm, I'm spread too thin, mm-hmm. which is good in that, you know, I'm being prompted to think about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And the first step to any sort of improvement, I think, is thinking about it and going, okay, what am I doing and does it make sense for me? Is an index card a good thing? Awareness is the first thing. Yeah. And I, you know, that I have to say that focus index card, making sure that there is one of those in front of me each morning is hugely important because it, it sets aside all of the questions about overwhelm, about big project and says, okay, these are the things that I need to do today to make sure the wheels don't fall off places. Mm-hmm. So I'd say they're even more important when you're feeling under pressure. This is a great system and analog is a beautiful, uh, implementation of that. Uh, by the same token, you could use a, you know, a paperclip and a, and an index card. You could do it in a notebook, but there is something incredibly elegant about analog. And I like you, a big fan, big fan. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I, I'm really glad I took the, the, the jump on that one. It, uh, certainly was worth it. And do you think you'll subscribe? Because there is a subscription option, isn't there? Yeah. Realistically, with the shipping, it the savings don't pay off. What I'll probably end up doing is placing one large order once a year or something like that. Mm. I've got sort of sure. three months to go with uh, in the first order. I, I can't see, uh, like shipping, uh, I think it was 32 US for me. Mm-hmm. So it's not not particularly cheap. So you look at, I think it's 39 bucks for the three month pack. If you subscribe, it's 30. 
And if I'm going to be sucking up that kind of shipping each time, the savings don't really pay off. It's probably better for me to stock up with one large shipment. For sure. But, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I'll kind of look at when I come back to there. I'm only a week into it. The cards themselves, I like the color coding of the three different cards. I'm very, very pleased with the quality of the cards, which is the one thing I hadn't understood before was just how nice and thick and beautiful those cards are mm. um, and how well they fit into the wooden holder. So I can see myself carrying on with it. Uh, I, I'm unfortunately, I don't think the ship, the subscription will work for me with the international shipping, but uh, I, I can certainly see me. Uh, just just stocking up and saying, okay, I'm either going to buy six or 12 months at a time and uh, sit on those for a while. Because that's what we need, more stationary on our shelves, Stu. Well, you can never have too many. I mean, I have to say the Baron Fig ones do work. <laughs> and, well, there are, there are lots of people producing index cards. I know because I was going to produce some for Nero's. I had some thoughts about things that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. on index cards and, and maybe come up with my own Nero system. And I, I'm not writing that out or writing that off, but um, I've also been looking at things going, you know what, this is, this is kind of a done thing. This is a solved problem because there are some great systems out there. Foglietto is one, uh, if you're in Europe, um, a French outfit, and they've got some really nice ideas and some really colorful cards, which are, is an interesting take. And just going back to those original blog posts of Merlin Mann. Uh, so just Google the hipster PDA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that comes out with, some, you know, he's trying to do much more than us, or he was then trying to do much more than us with, with the index cards, not just using them for that sort of focus aid, but um, as a full-blown GTD system on an index card. Yep. Um, I would say, Justin, don't look at that. I mean, that, that's the sort of thing that I could see a Twyford disappearing for months down that particular rabbit trail. Oh yeah, I remember when that was uh, out on. I think it was on his forty-three folders, if I remember correctly. Correct. Yeah, I never quite got into that, but I could see myself nowadays trying that and getting into a whole different way. I, again, uh, index cards have changed. They're not your dollar store index cards anymore. These higher quality ones that are out there, uh, the Baron Fig, the the Ugmont. I haven't tried any others, but I know there are some other ones out there. I, they're, they're really good. They're different. The way that they're uh, printed, uh, using it uh, instead of the horizontal lines, but the vertical lines, it changes things quite a bit for me. Mm-hmm. And certainly I could, I could see myself going down to that uh, rabbit hole quite easily. <laughs> and you're, you're giving them a very sort of Canadian feel by calling them Ugmunt. They're Ugmunk in American. Anyway, big K at the end. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I was trying to be polite and not get the K going. Uh, I quite like it. I think it's a, you know, it's a very nice um, Ugmont. I like it. Mm. You know, it's yeah, the French yeah. thing. You know. <laughs> That's it. All right. So what takeaways have you got from, from your sort of card notebooky type thing? What would you say? There is no one answer. That's true. I think this is going to be an experiment. And, you know, I think out of reflecting on this episode sort of came out of several different discussions we've had over paper planners, over digital tools, over apps that we used. And coming together is you don't have to have a system that is defined in stone. Rethink it, adjust it, 
go with what feels right at the right time. The, the goal is to do work. The goal is to help yourself perform better. And it's easy to stay in this place of rethinking everything, but find something simple that works. I'm not sure what my takeaway is going to be, what my system's going to be. I'm going to give that a little bit of thought. I'm sort of thinking that one one notebook to rule them all, sort of uh, the Amanda Fleet way, mm. will be there. Um, we're recording this at the end of June in 2021, just in case anybody ever goes back and listens to these in the future. Middle of the year, six months in. Mm. July 1st is a great time to say, maybe try something else for six months. So I am really considering that. Uh, I'm I'm sort of leaning towards just one nice notebook, doc gritted either you know, probably something in the A5 range that can be used as a combination of different things, perhaps, you know, but there is a context side. So the, the takeaway, be flexible, try things. If they don't work, try something else. Find something that helps you be productive. Don't worry about what your notebook is and or have commitment issues that I need to stay with it or I, I, I'm not sure that I can stay with it. Try it, experiment, move on. For sure. I think that those are all good takeaways and mine's very similar. So, you know, tools, whether they be analog or, or digital are to make things easier or to make things better, not worse. Mm -hmm. And if you find yourself getting sucked into the, oh, I can't, you know, whatever, just step back and go, okay, let's, what do I need to do today to, to move things forward? What do I need to do tomorrow? And that, that can be a piece of paper and a pencil that can be uh, you know, uh, a note on your computer that can be reminders on your phone, whatever it is, just go back to basics and, and start from there. Mm -hmm. Cool. Good idea. I, and if you haven't tried it, try an index card, even just a, a piece of paper. It, it really is amazing. Yep. Uh, and something that I did get from Stu. So thank you, Stu, for, uh, taking me down this, uh, this interesting path. As ever, Justin, I've cost you money. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, I think that out of this uh, podcast, that is the one thing we are both good at costing each other money. For sure. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com. And now is a good time to go looking uh, and to join up because as of next week, I am going to start releasing and serializing the first draft of my debut novel, he said in public um if not you can also find me at neurosnotes.co.uk what about you justin where can people find you you can find me writing at justintwyford.com that's got links to where you can find me on the interwebs uh writeexperience.com is where i write about stationery and you can find links to both of us at stationaryadjacent.com where you can also find the show notes with links to everything we talk about in the podcast please like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice we really do appreciate your recommendations to friends and colleagues because they are the people that may get some value out of what we talk about. Our next topic is going to be on sabbaticals. And Stu and I haven't talked about this at all, and we're not going to until next week. So it will be an interesting voyage of discovery. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.